now, our feature presentation. Florida Sound Archive podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kaiser, and we have another exciting episode for you, bringing together members of the band Curtains out of Orlando, Florida. They are here, Mickey, Mike, Wes, and John. I feel like I'm introducing the monkeys. Hey, guys, welcome in. How are you? We good. Yes, we have Mickey, Mike, John, and Wes, and then we also have Mark. Mark, who is Mickey? Same personality, just different names. Yeah. When did the lunch boxes come out with all your pictures on them? Does that happen anytime soon? That was 1986. We're trying to hammer them out right now, but that's yeah. it's a thermos decided. Okay. Well, in addition to talking about curtains, this episode would also spend time talking about the story of the Orlando band Shyster as well, which both uh, Mike and Wes were a part of, and and Jeff and Brian as well. They will not be here for the episode, but they also were a part of, of Shyster. And we may get into some other cool stuff, too. Uh, Mickey was also a part of the Orlando punk band Laughing Boy. So first and foremost, let's take a moment to talk about where you're recording this episode. So this is the studio where you guys practice. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've always Hello. done uh, living room rehearsals, you know, the whole time through. But then after I had children, that uh, living room practice became uh, a little bit difficult. And uh, my wife politely um, requested that we move it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's really not many practice spaces around Orlando other than in people's houses, as far as I know. I mean... Does anybody know any? Yeah, but there's this one studio houses. called Zeus yeah. Apollo, man. It's kicking out some pretty amazing stuff. Zeus yeah. Apollo is where you want to put your money. That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to invest. So practice at a um, 2020 building on Fairbanks, which yeah. was just like a whole floor of bands. Shakespeare. And then um, we used to practice on Amelia downtown in a porn studio. Yes. And then we used to, where did you practice, John? Uh, by UPS in Longwood. Yeah, yes. very long time. Storage uh, spaces. There's, yeah, John practiced a lot of. Porn. There's some office buildings, some storage spaces. That uh, Mingo? A lot of hot. Yeah, Mingo uh, Court. Hot Mingos. There's a lot of hot Mingos. Like, storage spaces where we used to practice, and even yeah. curtains, or actually the new Lowe's before curtains practiced uh, at um, Michigan Storage. Oh yeah, um, that was also. Yeah. Uh, we were both great in return. a great return together for the. Yeah, we shared that practice record. space, and interestingly, yes. before we became a band again. Yeah. How has that has changed over the years, considering that some of you have been playing music for what, since the early 90s? So how has that changed over the years with the places you can practice or maybe some of the studios you could record in? What are some of the differences from some of your experience over these last three decades? Well, it's, it's gotten a lot cheaper since our singer pays for everything. <laughs> There's no place to practice now. There's no there. place to practice. I don't know of any. Maybe there are. You no create your own. Yeah. So I created this space here for us now that I'm like, you know, old and just want to do this without worrying about <laughs> where everything is going to be. Uh, Wes and I were in New York for a while and we were always rented space by the hour. That's actually where we learned how to dye our beards. <laughs> <laughs> Younger. <laughs> 
by the hour, you know, anywhere. Just bring guitars. <laughs> the beer beer by the hour. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Enough. It wasn't beer was dying included. by the hour. It was music practice. <laughs> I did most of the shoe polishing. But here's this is my backyard. So we have a, a nice place where we can just all leave our stuff. And moving equipment is obviously difficult. So did all of you guys grow up in the central Florida area? Yeah. That's yeah. a great yeah. story. Yeah. In very different ways. But yes, we all did. I'm Maitland. College, College Park. Park. Longwood. Pine Hills. Pine Hills. Baby. So our, our real OG right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In our own ways, yeah, representing like four little spots on a map of Central Florida for sure. We came together in a large brawl. <laughs> it was Warriors two pointer. <laughs> we had to, we had to pay each other back for the band shirts we tore. So <laughs> we're still paying them back. Now we're yeah. I think most of mine have been stolen. But we came together at some point. Yeah, m- yeah. much later. We told I- Johnny. Get tattoos on his arm. Wes and I don't have any more band shirts. The first time Wes and I got together was on a dock in Maitland. Oh, and yeah. we played Hey Joe on <laughs> acoustic. Oh, Hendrix. Oh, yeah. And Wes got disgusted and like walked inside. And I was just like, what happened? <laughs> Mike, Mike had like a nice curly mullet going at the time, man. I remember that. Began. Yeah. And that's <laughs> when it started. I think he had a Slayer shirt, though. So I gave him a little credit for that one. I was like, Wes, come play for Shyster. We have a band. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have a band name, but Wes came up with that. And then we started playing that in okay. 1996. Oh, I know that. Six. <laughs> I know. No, 94. Yeah. Sorry. It was me and a friend of mine, Courtney, and we sort of were looking at names and couldn't stop laughing at that one. So there was no drugs involved. So that's the origin of the name Shyster, Wes. You came up with the name. Yeah, kind of well, with, with my friend. And then I said it. I think Mike was a little bit pissed off, but also loved it. But, you know, that's um, always. The yeah. way I, <laughs> he basically, I then I get yeah. angry. <laughs> he kept all the money after that. Oh. Did a lot of lawsuits came out of the shyster situation. A lot of very litigious activity. Right. <laughs> and it was the old man, yeah. the, the dude with the briefcase on the cassette. Cover. Oh, yeah. saying that's the shyster right there. Yeah, yeah that is. That's like. <laughs> that's like it on me. Like, yeah. I'm the shyster. He's the so. Or maybe like, he's like, this is perfect daughter. for Mike and his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember from the first shyster show you ever played? Mike I, didn't. I, I was there. Mike did not turn around and face the drums the whole time. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. You were so scared. You wouldn't face the audience. No, I faced the drums. It was like Jim Morrison. <laughs> you learned that with Val Kilmore. It was with Laughing Boy. Yeah. It was, we were, it was with we, Laughing Boy. Because yeah. Jim was my friend who was a singer in Laughing Boy. And then I met Mickey through him. Uh, it got us the gig at Club Nowhere. Obviously, yeah. at Club Nowhere. Yes. And it, and I did it. It was amazing. It yeah. was freaking insane. There were like six bands. We made a shitty flyer, and uh, it was we played Club Nowhere nonstop. After yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Tarian, uh, t- sorry, Tarian Am- Ami. Uh, t- <laughs> Tammy and Aaron. Tammy and Aaron owns Club Nowhere. Uh, t- they brought a lot of uh, Fat Records bands down at the time, and actually, we played with Green Day there at some point. One of one of my other bands, so uh, a lot of like upcoming stuff. I mean, this is back when Green Day was still at Lookout. Uh, a lot of it was happening in this tiny little corner of Orlando, and we, <laughs> I think, with the first shyster uh, show and turned into the first shyster tour in Orlando, where we played about ten shows in a row at Club Nowhere. That was like kind of our Beatles Hamburg moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, but John was the only one that got laid. So. Thanks to Tammy and Eric. <laughs> they booked us all the time there. And we opened yeah. up for a lot of fucking cool bands at um, yes. Club Noir. Yeah. GRI, Face to Face, No yeah. Effects, Jawbox, all in like you know, a year. And yeah. from Club Nowhere, we got on tours yeah. with those bands. Yeah. They yeah. That's how we got the Broadway show. <laughs> Wait, that was in all the musicals. <laughs> Adam Butterfly, baby. Now, I think you, you mentioned, right, that Scheisser played that show with other bands and Laughing Boy. Was that Laughing Boy's first show or did you guys play before that? We played before that. Uh, we were we actually had to call ourselves Crawl Space before that. So we played quite a bit. And then once we figured out there's another Crawl Space, that's when we changed to Laughing Boy. But we played probably about a year or so before that. It's crusted Shut, Crawl Space, and then Laughing Boy. Yeah. And somewhere and that in there, was, uh, where I learned to love music, watching them play again and again, I would go as a fanboy just to all their shows. And then uh, when Jim finally was like, "Yeah, you have a band, okay, you can play here," and then that's how it started. Yeah, we had a wow. downtown restaurant called the Magic Walk that uh, had this huge atrium space that used to do shows. And oh yeah, that's where I, I first saw Mickey uh, slaying the drums. He was uh, playing with a band called Hook and Mouth, <laughs> and they did a song called "Been Caught Shaving," which was kind of an ode to Jane's addiction at the time. Yeah, and Vincent Van Gogh. I was like, I got to play music with this guy. <laughs> been cut happen. Been cut. Been cut five. So. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, I think uh, I think that's the first place I saw Denature. Oh yeah, uh, uh, I used to play uh, at that atrium. Yeah, I was Wes's band. Uh, yeah. yeah, I owned it. We took him out all of the and, and put him in Shyster, but he stayed in those two bands for a while. You know what it's like to have to band, manage a band when you're 16 and. And he's left-handed. <laughs> Make sure the drummer does everything that you want. And he has That's a hard. tail. Okay. <laughs> now I'm left-handed. Tailbone. It's an extended tailbone. I went to the doctor and he said, you're not ambidextrous. You're left-handed. <laughs> Just keeps happening. I don't know. Maybe I'll be around you. John, were you going to a lot of those shows too when they were all going on at that time? Yes. Yes. In fact, around that time, my first band, uh, um, commonplace i was probably in like 10th grade we started playing at club nowhere as well and uh so that kind of brought us into the scene i think i met brian early yeah. on shyster played with commonplace many times at club nowhere. yeah and that's where we first met john yeah um just um and and we i, I met these guys from mike it's funny that you said that you were kind of a, a fanboy of like laughing boy and those bands because i felt like that with denature and shyster like when you guys kind of came on the scene we were doing our thing but I was like, oh, shit, there's, you know, like it made us kind of reassess. And, and we were young and kind of figuring out our chops. Um, but uh, Club Nowhere was essential for underage bands. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially like on underage. Sundays, right? Yep. That's Still, that's the only place we play. That's how we can play. John drunk and we had him sign an indentured servitude. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he's got to be on every record with curtains now. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, this this deal was signed a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> what other clubs were around that you were playing at, or perhaps were you doing any house parties at that time as well in this early period? Where did we play back then? We played um, downtown jazz and blues club. Yeah, it became Sapphire Supper Club. Right. Yeah, and then that was basically that. And then of course, uh, barbecue bar front room. Yes, was a was a place to play. Uh, we played Skinnies a lot. Oh, yeah. Skinny, skinny, skinny is now like uh, American gladiators on um, like mechanical bulls. Yeah, even gladiator used to, be, used to be a place where we play all the time. And uh, Shyster did a lot of shows at Skinny's just for like you know whoever was 
passing by and a group of friends kind of deal. I'm pretty sure we did a couple at Go Lounge as well, which oh, yeah. Wall Street Plaza is like first sort of uh, venue. Yeah, Rock Club right yeah. there. I mean, they had a Yabby on the coffee house. So if you're doing like some Nick Drake or something, you could have played there. But And to throw another old name out, Chris Sapone, who became a bass player for Shyster after Wes left at some point. Um, he was dropped out of high school and started booking like strip mall empty spaces. So he had Brody's Warehouse and he had Suburbia. And these two venues actually got a lot of cool touring bands. I mean, I saw Promise Ring and Jimmy oh, yeah. World yeah, at uh, yeah. Strip Mall <laughs> by, by the FBI. Yeah. What was the yeah. one? Oh, FBI? That yeah, was another one? near the FBI. Were, okay. That, then, that was Brody's. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the cops would always show up because there was no one of any Something like age to like run that thing. <laughs> and um, there would be complaints. The police would show up. And then Chris would call his lawyer stepdad, who would come show up on a motorcycle and usually talk the cops out of like you know letting the thing disperse peacefully that happened more than once that's badass that's we were that was an awesome dude. <laughs> that was guy. that guy was amazing he used to just drive around he got like disbarred from being a lawyer and then he <laughs> became a delivery us. he did delivery for Jin Ho Chinese restaurant which is where Wes worked and where Brian worked oh, yeah. and where Jeff worked mm. three quarters of Scheister worked at Jin Ho and then this awesome. lawyer who got his bar and started delivering there just because he loved to be on a scooter motorcycle I think Brian just had a white styrofoam oh. cup full of vodka uh, yeah. He would just deliver Chinese food, and he just loved life. Like, he we would go up and have um, police <laughs> at Brody's Warehouse, a uh, strip mall, when we were doing shows. Got to give him um, so Got to give uh, Ty and uh, Fawn Lee <laughs> props for employing half of the Florida hardcore scene and punk scene. Oh my god! John <laughs> Willie from Greening worked there as well. Can't tell you how many times I heard Big Chad from Blue Devil Ted trying to get a hold of those guys. Yeah, yeah. no, man, I take your order. <laughs> no, no, I'm just calling. <laughs> Jeff working, Brian working, Wes working. Uh, Amazing. She used to ask, who's on tour? Who's on tour? <laughs> okay. You're not on tour? Come in. So you gotta, work, you, you gotta work somewhere, I guess, right? And uh it's a good thing. That was a spot. I took a year spot. after winning the fantasy five, but um six That's other people story. won, so I didn't get enough money. Uh, I'm still planning on suing for that one. <laughs> Great idea. It's business ventures, you know, just sort of speculation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the crowds like in the early years? The people that were coming out to the shows, you know, what was that like? And if you can kind of describe that whole scene at that time. Well, Club Nowhere was always crowded because it was all ages. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you have that all ages thing, all the high school kids want to be there. And yeah. we were high school kids, basically. So it was yeah. amazing. It was fun every time. And then as we got out of high school, it became a little trickier with good shows and bad shows. But um, with the um, industriousness of like Wes and Brian and Jeff to book and they harassed people, <laughs> they harassed mostly me into booking us shows. And um, we got all these opening gigs, like at Club Nowhere and at uh, Edge. And yeah. at I mean, it was Social. the 90s, so harassment was yeah. still PC. It was cool. And we got so <laughs> many opening gigs. We were like the opening band for mm -hmm. punk rock bands that came mm -hmm. through, which was yeah. a dream for Scheisser because we played in front of hundreds right. of people all regularly because we were opening up for Seven Seconds, for The Offspring, for oh, yeah. really a bunch of bands. We, I think we tested a few bad religion. Yeah. All these bands we opened up for. Bouncing Souls mm -hmm. was a fun one. Was oh, Scheister was Scheister ever ever courted at all by any labels at that time to perhaps consider getting signed at any time? 
He did sign to a label that was out of Texas. Yeah. And they were kind of like the first band label that came to us. They were called Off Time. And it was run by the drummer from a band called Horace Pinker, who was mm-hmm. kind of like a, a band in the 90s. And so uh, we were kind of dumb, to be honest. And we were just like, okay, yes, thanks. And we just signed right up. And we signed right up to, we went to Texas and recorded in Texas uh, with Brian and Melanie, his wife, like Brian from um, Off Time Records. Yeah. And at the time, Off Time Records also had At The Drive-In. So yeah. they were like, right. they had a label. Was it Dynamite and we Boy? Were, and Dynamite Boy yeah. and uh, some European bands. And they were doing yeah. a cool thing. That's a good company. So we were like, yeah, let's jump into this. Yeah. But ultimately... Hmm. Uh, at the drive-in jumped off the label and we never really did we just kind of like yeah. put out some eps on other labels after that yeah off time more or less imploded um and we were sort of left without really much support in that regard i think we found most of our records on ebay <laughs> i know so yeah it was it was a financial it was a situation and i understand labels yeah. like don't make money either Mm-hmm. Right. So they're trying to figure out how to make some money off of the bands they put out. Right. But between us and them, there wasn't like really much of a bone to like split. I think so. it's a labor of love. I would speculate that hopefully they broke even off of the at the driving stuff. But, um, you know, once Mars Volta happened, I guess that would be, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. something that happened for them. But uh, at the same time, uh, we kind of didn't have enough money to drive out to Houston and keep recording. So we ended up doing a lot of stuff in Orlando, um, kind of, yeah, piecemeal um, work, seven inches. Yeah. And stuff we like got that. an offer from an amazing label called Man's Ruin. Mm. And that was Frank Kozik, who died recently. And um, so after our first full length on off time, uh, we were just kind of adrift. And then we had this EP that came out with Man's Ruin, which was a really cool kind of moment mm. and coincidence. But so that was our second label foray, but they weren't a label that were like picking up bands to put them on. They were just putting on an EP for us. Yeah. But that was very awesome. Yeah. With the, with the Kozik artwork that went along with it, both for the album and the promo. And although not a, I mean, they were a label and a studio. I had a guest on recently who was uh, one of the house musicians for King Snake Studios in Sanford, Florida. And more more on the jazz and blues side because Bob Greenlee, who owned King Snake, was a blues guy, right? So talk about your experience uh, recording there. What was that like? Oh, man, I, I loved it personally. Uh, I feel like uh, Rick, right? Rick, uh, Rick Bailey. Rick Bailey. Like, I mean... We'd feed him a twelve pack, or sorry, a case of beer and two packs of cigarettes to keep him going the whole day. And he think of Ace Moreland. Oh, is that Ace? Ace Moreland. <laughs> I think both of them needed a case of piece. True. I don't know. The the fact of the matter is though that like that's right. We came in for I think it was like five days, maybe four or five days, and basically like it was just you know okay, let's put you in this corner, throw these mics on you, and, and get it done, and and. It sounded great to me. It was pretty much a, like kind of more of the raw essence of what we sounded like in rehearsals and at certain shows. It was an awesome laid back vibe there. Yeah. You know, I actually, we got that connection because my parents were friends with the Greenleys. So mm-hmm. as a little kid, I used to go out on boats with Bob Greenlee and Sonia Greenlee and their whole family. And I still play basketball with Andy Greenlee. And I've like gone to shows with Martha Greenlee. Martha Kay and Bobby is in juniors in Chicago, I think, but it was a family connection. And so when Bob was like, yeah, come out here, we got a studio, let's record it. We'll do it on tape. We're like, sure, let's go, let's try it. And um, we really loved that experience recording with Shyster. 
So New Lowe's went back there and did our first record there as well. So I had two sessions there. One was wow. we did Shyster, mm-hmm. and then one with Ace Moreland. We did um, the New Lowe's. Our, the new the first New Lowe's record was recorded there too. I think that was Mickey on the Low Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Wes wasn't in that one. No, I I had uh, gone to Houston to sell like shoes or something at the time, <laughs> but uh, I, I came back. Shortly after my hacker roommate got busted by the FBI, which I can talk about now. <laughs> Beyond that, though, um, back to the band. I mean, Kingsnake was amazing. It was so yeah. fun. That's so cool fun. to hear about that connection. I didn't realize it was it, it was so deep, but that's that's pretty cool to hear about that. You know, think about outside of the studios, right? Thinking about the first time you played outside of Orlando. Was it somewhere in Florida? You had a chance to play, whether it's with any of your bands. I, mean, I, I imagine that uh, that Sh- I know Scheisser played outside of Florida quite a bit. So, with just within Florida, though, what do you what do you remember about the first time you played outside of Orlando? Oh damn! The first I can't remember the first time. I used to drink a lot of oldie, <laughs> uh, and I don't know how we got it, but we did. Uh, but basically, like the the first thing I think about uh, Scheister wise is when we went with Bouncing Souls and SNFU to. Uh, I think it's the milk bar in Jacksonville. And not only did the sound engineer was like really cool, fixed my bass for me. Um, I remember the singer of Bouncing Souls was getting paid back for a night we did in St. Pete the night before and found rotten bananas in his jacket pocket, which he kept in a suitcase. <laughs> but apparently he had been throwing like full water bottles at all of SNFU uh, in, in St. Pete State Theater like from the balcony, essentially. So I got to witness the moment where he realized he just stuck his hand in these and it just smushed them completely. <laughs> he was digging and trying to figure out what just, <laughs> he saw the the moisture come out of the, the pocket, you know, from the inside. And, and he was just like face went crazy. And, and he went and yelled at everybody and asked it up you. But that's the first thing I remember. The, the early stuff I remember was Jacksonville Beach, Jay Gordy's mm-hmm. and a couple other spots like right on the beach. Um, and we also like always had great shyster shows at Jacksonville Beach and the yeah, milk bar when we were like hooked up with um, there's a, a pool hall. Oh, uh, and then yeah. Jake Ward's was an upstairs place. But shyster shows in Jacksonville Beach, like if we do oh, yeah. more shyster reunions, you know, with maybe OG members or something like that. One of our thoughts is like, let's go to Jacksonville and play because Jacksonville Beach was always like so fun and ridiculous. And uh, Hardback Cafe a few times was amazing in Gainesville, but Gainesville oh, yeah. is kind of hard to yeah. put there. State Theater, when we were touring with bands, mm-hmm. it's amazing in St. Pete. Yeah. And Churchill's in Miami was a ex- very like legendary <laughs> experience for me. When we, oh, yeah. Again, Bouncing Souls in SNFU in like the mid-90s. Well, and it, got to mention the Black Eyed Suit. I was just about to say, yeah. Be. Oh, oh, yeah. That that was like, I think the first time I saw Les and Jake. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what's his name? Bass he played player. with Les and Jake in a little coffee Roger. shop. Roger in a glass window right yeah. on the street. Yep. Roger was on top of his like Ampeg eight tens, jumped up to jump off and like smashed his head into a pipe, knocked himself out for about five seconds. <laughs> oh. Then he jumped back up and caught right on to where he was in the song. I don't even think he knew he was knocked out. So well, we go yeah. to Black Eyed Susan's for <laughs> just to watch shows, and then we also go to play shows out there, yeah. which were always amazing. So like. Um, youth brigade there. Oh man, we also yeah. played swinging udders and, and I used, guys. Uh, yeah, and I used to go see uh, Crusted Shut and Laughing Boy and Crawl Space play too. in those same Elbert, venues. Uh, just traveling and, and you know seeing the different kind of spots around Florida. There's so many. Melbourne had shows. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but 
Oh, St. Augustine. I mean, we used to sit there with a, we had a cup and like a couple of acoustics <laughs> out in front of the old fort. Played, we played Hey Joe again, you know. Like, oh, After those early sessions, we really really came in handy. Yeah, yeah. that old spark. And we go talk to the cute girl in the ice cream shop who was listening to Bob Marley. Huh? That was our jam. Oh, yeah, we play that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the ice cream shop? Yeah. yeah. That's what we played. I don't so, know. That was it. We played Sluggos once in Tallahassee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was Pensacola had some. That's what I mean, Pensacola. Like, oh, yeah. Pensacola. That and the handlebar. Like, yeah. It reminded me of a, did you ever hear a mystery funhouse? They had like a, a pitch black room with carpet on the walls or something. They had to feel your way through. <laughs> Being in an insane asylum. And that is what Sluggos looked like to me, man. I swear to God, there was a vampire living under that stage. But and We also played the old schoolhouse in Vero Beach. Yeah. That was a nice happy in uh, no. no, no, Did you play Monday, Tuesday? <laughs> the old schoolhouse is a is a spot that has come up, and I know that when uh, Todd Rockhill had come on from In Like Flynn and Thunderclap, right, and amongst many other bands, when yeah. he when he came on, we were talking a bit about that place and you know discount played there a lot of other bands of course so what do you what do you remember about playing at the old school house it was just like a very super like diy vibe run by kids there were no there were no like um adults around basically and uh that was a really cool vibe it just felt super hip and kind of like all kinds of bands played but it was always a place for um something new when like um, emo and kind of weirder punk started like filtering in, I think uh, I associate people I think, from there like Andrew Chadwick. Yeah, I was gonna mm. say Chadwick, and then um, I I remember um, I think I saw Mercury program there, mm-hmm. which I was kind of like impressed that. by. That was more like math oh, yeah. to me, and I, I just awesome. didn't realize that was happening down here. Um, what about Gus? I think maybe Drew Gus, and Michael. That's Drew's band, yeah. yeah. Drew, we played with mostly yeah. in Orlando, but I don't okay. we played with him down there. I don't remember, but I remember playing with him at Club Nowhere a lot. There was some other place in Melbourne that I know we played a show at. I think it was like a um, Rotary Club or uh, maybe it may have been a VFW, something like that. We also I know played. I know there was the the place in Vero, the women's club. Did you play there? That's that's it. That's the spot. It, yep. Where was the schoolhouse? Not in Vero? Um, was it in Fort Pierce area? Back in the shyster days, there was a whole movement yeah. of Fort Pierce oh, friends who yeah. came to Orlando that hung out with shyster all the time. Yeah. yeah uh, we had a, who now does um, culinary shit all over Orlando and Andy and Marley. Marley Marley went on to, I think she was a singer in like a folk band or something in yeah, Portland. Yeah, a good folk band. did a really good voice. Um, I, I kind of forced her to do acapella on an open mic night. And the funny thing was that like all like 50 people that were in there just stopped saying anything. And I think she thought everybody left the room. <laughs> And then she like kind of got silent and her eyes got wide and everybody started clapping like, yeah. and I was just like, that's amazing. So awesome. yeah, it was, it was really good. And I told her that she can never do that again because <laughs> there's no way I can keep up with it. So did um, commonplace ever play out of town? Yeah. Not commonplace. You guys were Orlando main. Orlando only. Yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, I can't even remember though. We played Melbourne, but like, yeah. I don't remember where it was. It was like a sh- or something. I always remember driving out to see Mickey's band play when I was little, and uh, the road out there, of course, like five twenty, whatever it was, was terrifying. Yeah, and it was with two lanes, and it was all fucking dark as shit. And our friend Rob, who'd always drive me there, had a VW um, Beetle that didn't have barely like any lights on it. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're like Good literally job. every time just like praying to survive on my way to mountain <laughs> on these freaking podunk, like big country roads and and, and very dark. Yeah. I don't remember any of the names of the bars though, even when I was driving. I had a show there recently and I I remember the places, but I don't remember any of the bars, like the areas and stuff. That was where I, I used to go out in a hockey mask with like a, like a <laughs> big machete sometimes. Just kidding. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Speaking of laughing boy, there's the demo tape. Oh, yeah. There it is. This is one of my personal favorite demos uh, from just Florida in general. And uh, what do you remember, Mickey, from making this this tape and the recording that of it? Was, that was recorded by, they were just talking about the Fort Pierce crew. That was by uh, Nick Kulikowski from uh, Wolf Daddies. Remember those guys? Mm, he recorded that. That was up at... Uh, we talked about playing uh magic walk that was in the same building right. upstairs that magic walk was in um it, i think nick just got a like a eight track or something we did it for like Your 150 yeah, yeah. 200 bucks something like yeah, that um and he had that and like a i remember a cd of uh sound effects because i remember we did like toilet sound effects <laughs> and stuff on there you know typical kid enjoy stuff. yeah <laughs> typical kid stuff what's yeah. funny is mickey recorded those in his bathroom <laughs> yeah them. sold it to the he company. made money off of this guy's yeah. studio both ends <laughs> yeah both ends get it <laughs> <laughs> that was a good experience though i miss nick you guys didn't really put out much else right i mean it was the demo and was there really anything else that officially came out from the band yeah we were on a uh Corey Sheridan got us uh, on a label called Medical Records out of uh, New York, and we he took us up there, and we actually played one of Bouncing Souls, I think, first shows at uh, one of the State University in New York in Oswego. But I think he released maybe, like, he gave us 50 records, and then we never heard from the guy again. Um, like you're saying, we sometimes I, I find the uh, Battle Hymns of the Retarded CD or Seven Inches on eBay, but that's that's the only other thing we ever put out was that was that on medical records battle hymns Medi- yeah medical records yeah was that just a, was that just like a single yeah, yeah just a seven inch that was that but yeah. we were at it uh what was ignafo's place oh, real, 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 real time real time yeah yeah gotta give ignafo yeah props. please yeah because that's where shyster did our first two yeah. eps were in date uh, holly hill near daytona beach at mark ignafo's real time studios yeah. commonplace recorded commonplace eventually yeah. mortality Denature, yeah. this goes on and on. Yeah, it's because he uh, smashing pumpkins. He actually died. <laughs> and blah blah. When, and when blah, I, blah. yeah, when you asked him to do things for the sound, like like you know, turn up the balls and the character, he did it for you. He so, had a, a numeric equivalent. Not without making fun of me. I mean, some guy that might have asked for that, but <laughs> it's all good. Did um, you guys ever recorded the yeah. difference though off of Winter Park with Sean Shannon and the Big Shot? Mm-hmm. That's where we did our our very first demo. And I remember we went in there to record and uh, he didn't like us. He was like a big metal guy. And we ended up like, he's like, here, listen to my stuff. So we like, we're paying money for the, for the studio. We're listening to Sean Shannon's big shot demo for like an hour. Cause he did, he was like, we're, he's fed up with us. Wow. And I remember that was when Jim like forced me to use the rototoms. You remember those years? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Recording is super stressful, you know, and it's like always on someone else's time and you always got to negotiate. That's one of the reasons why I made this practice space is so we record here. And actually yeah. Kurt is working on a, we're almost in the final stages of recording a full length for curtains that we did right here at this room. So we just got to meet our Amway quota this month. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is the difference for you playing in the band, you know, a band like Curtains now versus playing in some of the bands of the past that you were in? For me, Curtains is just new songs. You know, all those other bands are old songs. Everything that we create now is Curtains. So it's just what's happening at the moment. Um, but it it runs a spectrum that could relate to some of the bands that we've been in. You know, it's got like some shyster feel. It's got some new lows, mid tempo-y kind of jams. It's got some Sunday morning revival slowness, but not a lot of that, but a little bit. So it's all like kind of continuous and not all that different, but it's just what's new. Yeah. And then adding John in has been like uh, X factor because, you know, Mickey and uh, I and Wes have been making music together for a very, very long time. So I've never made music with John before the last like couple of years. So his influence guitar wise is changing the sound like a lot too. And John is like a, a Gainesville veteran, essentially. Um, As well. Yes. Uh, with the Shaking Hands, uh, Dehore, Gainesville. And, you know, I, I got into this whole thing just to battle the tinnitus, man, basically. And you know, <laughs> essentially uh, the back pain, it's more of an endurance test at this point. Fighting fire with fire, really. Yeah, at that point. yeah. Plus, nobody wants to play with Mike anymore as far as bass goes. So. Just kidding. No one, <laughs> no one texts me back. So uh, yeah, Wes wants some while. He's like, everybody goes to me. Come on over here. Yeah. <laughs> Has Curtains played any shows outside of the Central Florida area at this point? We only do that if Mike cooks barbecue and smoker. <laughs> we, we did. We played in uh, Ocala. And yeah. Ocala. Vero Beach. We went to St. Petersburg. So we are well traveled. We've done Manifest. Come on, Manifest in uh, Newport, Newport Ritchie. Ritchie. Our, that we put on our little wall map. Fest. Yeah. Yeah. We put a pin in Newport yeah, Ritchie. Yeah, we did Fest. Yarn. Uh, we did. We played Fest. Yes, that's in Gainesville. Done so fest. We did Fest. And so Lowe's did Fest. We have yet to cross the border. Do we? Yeah. No. We don't, we've this, been, wait a minute. No. We we're going to go play in New Orleans sometime yeah. soon. Didn't you, also, didn't you also play the uh, Underground Fest, too? Yes. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, that was super fun. Florida Underground Fest. Yeah. Well, How do you like playing some of the festivals versus playing a show where it's just a couple bands on the bill? Um, I mean, I thought that the girl who was trying to figure out whose license got lost was pretty hot. Um, that <laughs> was a festival show. So that's more of a festival type yeah, situation. <laughs> festivals are fun. We get to see old friends a lot of the times. We get to see bands that uh, everyone you'll play one offs. With, with some bands but at a festival it seems like a like a homecoming of sorts yeah yes. uh and <laughs> you get to you get to hang with uh with old faces and that's a good time that was amazing i mean i this is the fourth florida underground festival and this is the first one we played and it's actually the first one i've been to and i was just like this is yeah. so fun yeah but you can just jump from venue to venue to venue and see all the bands that you always see posted all over town yeah. Um, and coming through in Florida all the time. And yep. um, I have to hand it to Dial Drive and Jacob and uh, the other guys who do that. It is badass. Yeah. And yeah. it's got to be a shitload of work. And um, I don't know what they get out of it other than having all these bands represented on one street. I bought two a t-shirt. I bought a t-shirt. And yeah. a t-shirt. Yeah. I bought a t-shirt too. Yeah. I saw a gold bullion fall out of one of their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty Standard. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they're doing all right. Yeah. They're doing all right. Yeah. Probably don't even know. It is amazing. It's so fun. And um, it just tons of people. You know, Very well organized. Yeah. Yeah. From, from like behind the curtain or whatever, but set up times, everything, load in, load out, just I don't, I don't know who the sound guy Very was, cool. but the fact that he had a bandana on made me feel like I was at Woodstock, even though I'm an Uncle Lou's, you know? We played at 3 p.m., and it was one of our best shows ever. Yeah. Yes. Like, there were so many people that showed up, which was great. I mean, 
I figured they'd all be hung over at that point, but I mean, they came out anyway. So and Mickey was crushing. Yeah, he was just like he was. Him. He was crushing on all the girls. That's exactly how it goes. Nice. <laughs> when you're playing some of those those festival shows, who are some of the Florida bands that you most look forward to seeing play? Whether they're more legacy bands or bands that are new and current uh, today. I was really psyched to see. Uh, well, Thunderclap, but then um, what was the shirt you had? The Slap name? Reality. Slap Reality. God, yeah, that's that was great. Old band that I remember from way back yeah. when I first started following Crusted Shut, and they had that Slap Reality yeah. stuff from like late '80s, early '90s. Crazy, mm. they played. That was the best. Right yeah. after us, or soon after us, and they were they, they were, were awesome. awesome. Yeah, that was great. Did you ever see them before, or that was the first time you got a chance to see Slap of Reality? I, I saw them. Jim Jacks took me to see them. Really? Yeah, 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 I saw them way back in the day. Yeah. Mm. Um, who else? Uh, we like Billy Doom. A lot, yeah. See them play, but so many bands, and Mickey loves all the bands. He knows all the bands. He drags us to venue to see the bands that he likes. <laughs> and, and I hear that's not the <laughs> Mickey's <laughs> more of a scene star because his kids has grown. Yeah, they get to go out. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so he's uh, he knows what's going on more so, and he's Mike's, got three bands, so he's always out doing his own thing. Mike's daughter does a solo band. Uh, okay. if, if she needs to do karaoke, when he's socializing. Get out of the solo, solo band. I call it a solo project. Yeah, okay. solo. <laughs> Solid project. Can I just bring up the gangly youth from Melbourne? One of my favorites, and I missed oh, yeah. the last show. Sorry, guys, if you're listening to this, please come do a show with us. Gangly okay. youth from Melbourne. Yes. yes. Yeah. Twelve hour turn from Jacksonville mm-hmm. was a fun one. It's supposed Friends to be outside of the Florida. No, in Florida. Oh, in Florida. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I'm on. Caught fire. Same. Yes. Caught fire. Yeah. Caught fire is killing it. Uh, oh, man. Thunderclap. Spanish. Games, over, obviously. Cool. Jenna Torturers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're coming again. Yeah. They're coming back. Yeah. So we want to open up for Jenna Torturers if you listen to I this. I just love Rain Sanction from Jacksonville. Oh, oh my God. Uh, Rain uh, Sanction. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, wow. seeing Naomi's hair. Oh, yeah. Radon. Yeah, Radon. Yeah. Panthro UK. Uh, oh, my yeah. God. Radon. Are you guys going to see the Riddlers? Uh, Spoke. Yeah, oh, that'd be freaking awesome. Lake Brantley. Yeah. We used to play with Hot Water Music way back when. Yeah. Man, who was the good days? Yeah, Dave Cintron's man. Got a, got a Mercury Project. No, no, Mercury Program was from uh, program. Mercury. <laughs> the Mercury Project, I think, had something to do with Nellis Air Force Base, um, but we don't need to get into all that. You know, there's tons of freaking amazing bands around. Tons of them. Some of the bands you mentioned also had ties to. Uh, Jim Faraday, right, who was one of the, the big promoters of the Central Florida scene back in the, what, 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And also there's that new exhibit, which I'm sure you're aware of, too, at the at the Orange County Regional Museum, which Jim actually was a guest right before it opened. He was a guest on the podcast with the curator of the ex- one of the curators of the exhibit. So what were your thoughts on all that? Because you've, you've known Jim for a long time and you had a chance to play some of the clubs that he promoted for. And talk about that for a moment. Promoting is because he was in a really terrible goth band in Orlando <laughs> when they first started. They were kind of like Flock of Seagulls, but trying to be a little darker. And Jim had like long flowing hair and he tried to yeah. do kind of like a Flock of Seagulls dancing thing. It was like and murder it, and it flopped. It flopped. So he's like, okay, I can't beat him. I'm going to join him. He started booking shows at JJ Whispers. Oh, yeah, baby. And he first got into town. But um, no, his influence from there has just been unbelievable. I think JJ Whispers invented nickel beer night or something. I don't know. But yes. And Rock from Orlando (laughs) merged out of nickel beer. Oh, yes. (laughs) Merged. Obviously. 
So but he booked us in um, a lot of shows when he was doing the yeah. social and then the um, Sapphire, Supper Sapphire Club. Supper Club, obviously. Our, that our, was amazing for us. Our drummer from Denature, who uh, ended up being the drummer for Bloodlet later, was uh, Charlie King. He was very somehow connected with a Joel guy who was one of Jim Ferry's employees. And we ended up getting a lot of shows through Figurehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earth Day show. Mm-hmm. Um, or the First Dead. Yeah. First Dead show um, with Adventures of Immortality. Yeah. Other, like, mm. There's definitely a lot of local bands, bro closet, things like that. Uh, and that was more of a festival type event, but at one venue, I believe, at uh, Beach Beecham Theater. Yeah. Which I, I guess ended up, yeah, it's still Beecham. So honestly, I don't even know how we got on all those shows we did. Ferry did some of them, and Fat Harry did a lot of them. Fat um, Harry, you know, Fat Harry was also a promoter who did a lot of the Edge shows and oh, yeah. Beecham shows. Yeah. When we played, opened up for Bad Religion and SNFU, yeah. which was a, a huge change for us because from there we toured with SNFU and Bouncing Souls because of that opening act. Mm. And that tour led to a lot of other things. So you could also trace it back to that one show. Mm. The only reason we played that show is because I don't even know how, because I flew back from North Carolina for that show. We showed up at the edge and Fat Harry said, you're not on this show. <laughs> you can't load in. They're not booked on the show. And, and I'm answer. like, I came down from North Carolina. We're all here. I yeah. thought we were booked on the show. Someone said we were booked on the show. And so we literally had to talk to Bad Religion. And we talked to Greg Graffin and Greg Hetson. Mm-hmm. And they both said, you can play, which was Make- freaking cool as hell. Wow. Yeah. And we actually, they said, you can play if you play at the time the doors open. Right. You know, the doors open and the band start half an hour later or an hour later. We had to play at seven sharp. So when we started playing our set, there was zero people in the room. But by the time we played three songs, it was freaking 800,000 people in the room. That is freaking- it was insane. It was insane. And we started our set to an empty room because they told us we had to play at the moment doors open because we were never on the show. And I remember Fat Harry was the one who was like, no. Yeah. But somehow Bad Religion said, let them play. And from there, we ended up touring after that with SMFU, which is one of my very favorite bands in the world. So yeah. that was freaking crazy. So, yeah. And then we, I, I guess Fat Harry ended up putting us on with Offspring and Pennywise mm-hmm. and Back Shack. And um, it was actually Offspring and uh, was it Pennywise? I think Pennywise. Well, I know Pennywise was opening for. I think Offspring or was that Bad Religion? I think Offspring opened for, for seven Pennywise. seconds. So Offspring opened for Pennywise. I remember. I mean, KT helped you guys love Offspring that show. singer. Taking off his MTV Suck shirt because he wasn't allowed to wear it on stage, and I felt a little <laughs> nice. depressed Dexter. about the lack. Of he had uh, like cornrows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, is still putting on shows. You know, he's doing this, this concert series for his historical, his history moment. Mm. Doing this, you know, big thing coming up, which is a lot of work and a lot of fun, mm. which we might want to mention on your podcast here today. A little bit. Oh yeah, there's this <laughs> show we're doing. <laughs> Mike is forcing me to do all this freaking bass work. <laughs> And Wes then, has to play in every band. Everybody else gets a break, but me. Nikki's playing band. in every band, but sporadically. Yeah. yeah. And John is going to uh, cover basically the uh, the slot for a lot of the original stuff that he grew up loving, which and we're we're pretty honored to have him along for as well, because uh, he is our he's our Gainesville Nugget, if you will. <laughs> so nobody else from Gainesville wants to play from with Gainesville Nugget from Atlanta. But yes. Yeah, we're doing a shyster set, kind of curtains, doing shyster, but it's a lot of shyster because mm. Wes and I like always played in shyster yes. until he quit and Chris played. But that was the very end. And then uh, 
Mickey played in Shyster after Jeff left, and Jeff was the first to leave the original Shyster. So mm. it was Mickey, me, Wes, and Brian. But Brian jumped ship, Wes jumped ship pretty much in the same week. Yeah, sorry. And then we just repopulated it with other people. Mm-hmm. So it's been a mix of different things. We even toured with Shyster without Jeff or Wes and me, uh, Mickey, and Henry, and Chris. I mean, if you're wondering how Mike pays for all this stuff, it's because he invented metadata. Basically, he learned that from the Shyster model. If you repopulate, you can have Shyster 2.0. And then suddenly, he was talking to Bill Gates one day at a show. You don't have to have Bill a Gates lot of money up front to go yeah. on tour. Yeah. You just need enough to get to the first place. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the first website that Shyster ever had? Was that, no, uh, there was never a Shyster website. Not the until there was a, there was never a Shyster website. Was there? John made it. I don't think it was the internet. <laughs> yeah. got the plan. Was there? I don't know, man, but uh, if we got your credit card information, <laughs> <wouldn't> uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of YouTube channels that post stuff that like, I'm kind of like, cool, thanks for the promo. It's like, amazing. You know, you know someone might have made a Shyster yeah. site. I don't know. I kind of remember Craig talking about some guy. Because I see a Shyster page on yeah, Facebook. It's some guy from Germany, right? Yeah, someone from Germany made a Shyster site. Was it spelled like Shyster? Um, it's already uh, in, in English for them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Another person who was really important in capturing the scene going on in Orlando was Jim Leatherman, right? The photographer. He captured a lot of what was going on. And there were other people, I'm sure, but he was definitely one of the big ones. Uh, A lot of the photos in the exhibit in Orlando at the museum were are his. Uh, How important do you think he was in capturing a lot of those moments? Because I I know he captures some shots of Scheister, too, right? Oh yeah, still is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jim is active. God, it seems like every night taking pictures. Yeah, and he's talented, uh, man. Fantastic. I mean, there's, there's. I mean, if if you, I guess I don't know how to say it, but I mean, I think there's been a few people that are definitely they want to document certain things, and Jim just seems to be everywhere all the time. Um, and it's just, it's a passion. It's a labor of love thing. You yeah, know? He loves it. I can That's tell. the thing. Though, it's it's not, his band. Yeah, it's not a problem for him. It's just what he does and loves. And also helps yeah. that he's like probably the nicest human being on earth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So everyone who yeah. runs into him just like really? just happy to see him. Yeah. Just constant like love yeah. fest. Exactly. Being around Jim. I mean, and, uh, he's most... been a friend for a long time. So it's awesome always when we see him. And it's always a blessing because hmm. he's at like every show, uh, every show, not our show, but every show. <laughs> I get a little nervous when yeah. I see him. I'm like, all right, tighten up. <laughs> tighten up. You know. We always check each other for small bugs and hey, got any boogers. I'm good. Okay. Jim is yeah. unbelievably skilled, but we we present him with challenges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he's gotta like, you know, we he has to get make this one interesting angle. He's gotta Photoshop it. out the boogers and fall on my shirt. <laughs> Spit, sweat. Yeah. I think a lot of his talent though stems from the fact that he started as a bass player. Just that's to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Jim yeah. is a bass player. Perhaps. And bass players are great. I mean, they're awesome people. Very be, nice. Be to- you know, a little slow. <laughs> Besides the photography side of things, talk about the the zines and publications too that kind of help get the word out for not just uh, Scheister, but any of the bands that you've played in over the years from the past up to the current. How important is that? And who are some of those zines and, 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 and publications that have uh, helped with spreading that word? I can give a shout out here for Craig Mazur, who was... Like the fifth shyster member, basically, mm-hmm. because he had Impact Press. Before that, he had Inbred Records, mm-hmm. and he used to set, do a mail order with Inbred that had little, quick little blurbs on bands and stuff like that. But then he expanded that into Impact Press, which was available all around Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of music reviews, show reviews, uh, 
cultural and political commentary, amazing labor of love, speaking of for him for many, many years. And Craig actually booked Shyster Tours. Yeah. This man who was like networking, working one, building his magazine too, and then networking in an age before internet um, Mm -hmm. with maximum rock and roll book your fucking life. Mm-hmm. Um, and put shyster tours together that we actually followed around the whole freaking country. And we're not uh, talking like with a map you know, quest printout of your Bible. Yes, we weren't week long and work tours. I mean, he's doing like three weeks to see that was five tours. And Greg, we, we got to see the country because of him essentially. And his his magazine was really um, a big part of the '90s in yeah. Orlando, Inc. Nineteen. Yes, mm. Orlando. Yeah. Look at Orlando Bigley too, which is still Melbourne. happening. I was from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen in Melbourne, but we got it all over the place, and I had tons of music, all my clippings of shyster stuff from Ink Nineteen, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, good old a little jam magazine. scrapbook with hearts all over. Jam magazine, jammies. <laughs> Are they still going yeah. on? No, I don't think we, so. I actually, I, Brian Ledford and I went to the the first Jeez. jammies, and when, when they announced that shyster was in the running for best rock band or something like that it was just the two of us jumped up like yeah and then sat down and nobody knew who the <laughs> hell we were <laughs> jam was not amazing rock yeah. yeah yeah it was we did actually win like a classic rock. A jammy i think at some point and i remember going on stage in a downtown jazz and blues and we had discussed playing uh we are the champions before going up there <laughs> just, this is a joke because i don't think anybody knew who we were still so at least nobody there. Um, I, I really feel like Gargamel should have got that one. With you. We still okay. sing. Uh, remember them. Or every practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to get us from And we cry. Get that blood flowing. Um, I think there was a 16 millimeter projector playing. <laughs> like being in math class or, you know, something back in the overhead projector. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> overhead shots. I mean, some jagged glass. Yeah. And then they would throw some coloring on it. And it was really trippy, bro. It was awesome. You know, it's amazing. Magazines commit themselves to music scene. They actually had like a full 500 seat auditorium, which was kind of impressive. And I I remember one of the the guys, he was like, he had the Kurt Loader haircut. who was from, uh, I think one of the WDIZ or something. He was the, the, I want to say commentator because of the way he looked. He had like a tuxedo on and that. Uh, But I think it was more of an MC type thing for him. And he gave out the awards and that was it. It was very like, Awkward. It was like an awkward MTV uh, music awards. At Orlando the time. style. The first one was like that. Yeah. I think by the third one, they realized that you've got to get a liquor license. Otherwise, no one's going to be like <laughs> gonna be sticking around. Yeah. yeah. The first week I joined Sites for you guys won Orlando Weekly's like best punk act or something. Oh, yeah. I had to best go on stage act. for that. I can show you what those awards look like. Yeah. Black, I think right? John started that club. But he, he'll never tell us about it. I think those are my mom's old house. Mm. What was it? <laughs> at, at Mike's mom's house, we used to have cookies and tea for every rehearsal. <laughs> Sometimes she'd let us get in the pool. We never packed it. And within 30 minutes instead of 45 minutes after eating. Now, actually, Mike's parents were really sweet to me and let me live there between tours because you I was there too? horribly broke. Yep. Oh, <laughs> wow. like, like a, me, the list goes on. So That was going to be my, one of my next questions, too, is thinking about during this entire window of time we're talking about your families. Were they coming to some of the shows and did they support what you were doing? My parents would come to the first series of shows we did because they were so curious. 
remember after one of the shows, my dad was like, what kind of cigarettes do you smoke? They could be laden with guilt trips. Or... There's a little, yeah, a little few, you know, comments in there, but they were very supportive. And obviously, you know, Jeff's drummer lived in my house for a while. Wes lived in my house for a while. Yeah. So, you know, my parents were just like, and my sister moved out and there's a room and they're like, yeah, bring your bandmates in. And um, we lived there while we were touring because, you know, we didn't have money for rent or anything like that. Yeah. And that was, it was sporadic. The tours, the tours tended to be mostly summertime. I believe. I think we did a, not the, yeah, I think we did a, a, the big tour we did was in the fall. Yeah. So that was definitely, um, yeah, it was definitely cold. It's cold weather. We always crashed at whoever was the house we met. I had to sleep on a bed of nails. In the van, we had a floor and a bench yeah. and a loft in the van. Yeah. So there's three sleepers in the van. I mean, it, but if you have three sleepers, that means one person's driving by themselves. So usually two people sleeping and two people trying to stay awake. The thing is, if you if you hit a bump wrong, you could break your nose on the roof. But, you know, and we got the, all the gear in there. So that works. We talked with our friends, Bobby and Josh, and yeah. they would drive it a lot, but they would always slam on the brakes just to throw <laughs> us off our sleeping perches. Yeah, these guys somehow it's shitty. I'm really sure Bobby. Yeah. This he's the he owns a really successful graphic design company now. But back then he somehow convinced me that he was a sound guy. <laughs> so we went on this tour with face to face, and he basically would stand up there with Josh smiling. I'd be like, hey, what's this do to the sound guy? And then that guy would end up doing sound anyway. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, it sounds awesome, man. Cool. And that's pretty much how they got on tour with us. <laughs> they knocked us off our stools. Yeah. Josh actually did a lot of photography as well. And he ended up working with uh, a lot of like jackass guys and uh, Orlando water sports did a lot of like um, wakeboarding photography and video. Nice. Uh, so that was like where he ended up. I was briefly in a band called Simon with both of them. Oh, yeah. Another guitarist named uh, Dave. And that was fun. We did some of those uh, Orlando water sports like event shows and you know a lot of girls with really nice uh you know well-fitting hats. hats yes <laughs> the hats were very well-fitting really beautiful big showed a lot of forehead <laughs> you know Lovely hats. Uh, yes <laughs> definitely just in case the parents are still watching by the way my father who is a deacon at a baptist church still showed up for one of our shows which just happened to be the one where i had uh two ladies that uh, worked at clubs of the night yeah <laughs> run together some things the pairs of things they have for hats cds yes the hats got rubbed together and i happened to look up just like this and see my father at the bar just going like this <laughs> disapproval and i was like well I, i'm in the right business now that your dad getting moving already <laughs> yeah he snuck in and did that so but you know I'll, nice. I'll never forget it partly for comic value but also to know why we're not talking about politics or religion anymore. So some of the other bands that also kind of play into the story. Right. And I, and I don't know, you have to keep me on point here with uh, like the new lows, for example, were there crossover members and who's in curtains now that were also in the new lows. When Shyster finally sort of started falling apart, basically um, we started this band Sunday morning revival, which was a very slow, quiet kind of country, but also weird, all kind of, shoegazy kind of stuff um with our buddy ralph maybe you've heard of ralph is a big uh, central florida musician who uh was taken too soon um but he was yeah amadori he played bass in that band and then actually i think it was both ralph and henry quit sunday morning at the same time yeah that's henry from denise he was playing in that so that was kind of a crossover in a weird way do you remember how that man fell apart 
Mm. Uh, there's an incident where Ralph walked his dog and never came back. But yeah. I think Henry and you didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to play together anymore, and that's how yeah. that that input. We were going to record oh, with geez. Jeff Jeff Nolan. We were doing that record, and he, Spanky came out of his room and said, "I don't want to be in this band anymore." And that was that. Yeah, he kind of dropped the yeah pulled the plug, and then just sort of split off. And I think I was living with Henry and Vicky yeah. at the time. Yeah, we split um, up and so together. Yeah. I, Tyler uh, Ray, <laughs> who's coming down to play in this sort of reunion uh, show on the 29th. The next day. Who wrote for the Sentinel and played in a bunch of bands, wrote a book about uh, Lou Pearlman. Is that his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wrote a book about Lou Pearlman. He's a really amazing, interesting human being. Mm-hmm. He jumped in because he had been playing in some bands. So me, Mickey, and Tyler started the New Lows. Yeah. And uh, we just three-pieced it for a while and made a record, and it was super fun. All that stuff happened so fast. Right. In a band for like eight years and we've done you know a little bit here and a little bit there but when the new lows started we played for about a year and we made a record you yeah. know because we were younger and we didn't have much else to do i guess but we were practicing and we lived together so yeah. we were playing all the time we we're making songs playing shows making records and we made a record um that was really what the new lows were i moved to new york right in the middle of that and then Tyler moved to New York. So I started playing with Tyler in New York. And uh, we got this drummer named Taro, who's a really cool dude. And the three of us played. And we got um, his members came and went for like eight years. I think that was six years in New York. Is that odd? Wes moved to New York. I ran into West in New York City on a street. Which was kind of <laughs> we were actually. Do you think he would have texted me if he would move? You think he might just like give me a heads up? I'm <laughs> I live in New York now too. I, I saw a him. friend of mine. You know, like I saw him. We, we were watching. No, 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 no. What biking back from work? <laughs> I'm biking back from work in the middle of Brooklyn, and I pass the street. There's a James Brown yeah, Vanderbilt Avenue on Vanderbilt <laughs> Avenue in Brooklyn. Going he happens to be playing a show. So I like hop off my bike. I'm like, damn, it's James Brown. And I'm like, there's Wes Snowden. <laughs> so I give him a bear hug from behind. Or did you bear hug me? I got you. And then you're like, oh, oh yeah. my God. Someone's grabbing me. Someone's grabbing me. <laughs> Turn around. This guy's on the fucking street. He's like, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I live here now. Yeah. So then Wes and I finally, after a while, we made a record together in New York. Yeah. Wes, Wes, why didn't you reach out and let him know you were moving? Uh, thank you, Jeff, for asking uh, that. Because uh, I was always wanted to ask that question. I told him I'd only do a record if I could sneak up on him. <laughs> so I had to do it that way. But, you know, it's, he forgave me later. I mean, he didn't feel the gun in his back. <laughs> he really wanted to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we ended up making a record together yeah. with um, the drummer from the John Spencer Blues Explosion, which was oh, a very weird. Yeah, Russell Simmons. Yeah, he answered a MySpace ad that I had. <laughs> yeah, so. or no, it was like a Craigslist ad. I mean, it was that was a bizarre day yeah. when I'm going to work and I get like a text and I'm like, "This is Russell Simmons from the John Spencer Blues Explosion. Are you still looking <laughs> yeah. for a drummer?" I'll do it. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah. for this much money. I'm like, ah, yeah. okay, I'll do it. Yeah. How much was he? How much was he asking? That's about uh, that's three million dollars. Uh, uh, that's a couple Spanish gallons. He was hooked. I'll have to look in my checkbook, but it was, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was a little more than I wanted to spend, but it wasn't too much that yeah. I said no. <laughs> yeah. With all the different people you've played with over the years, how did you know this four was the lineup you wanted to go with for curtains? Uh, well, everybody was, uh, who yeah. was around, we <laughs> yeah. still all afford to buy our own six packs, yeah. and we live in yeah. the same town. John's really nice, so yeah. that was a cool uh, added feature. I mean, on the, the dark side of curtains, I brought him in to calm the political situation down. 
there's a hurricane of brewing and you know john's yeah. like the fixer we all really hate you each know. other yeah but we yeah, hide it really well yeah no it's just um we these are people that i know who like to make music yeah and i like to do the same thing so we're like we like we grew up together you know we're like brothers um you know it's very family yeah and so, so uh, we all satisfy. You can tell by Mickey Schmirk that he's thinking about <laughs> times he almost stabbed us with a stick. Uh, did you guys? That. Did you guys take the name from the movie Curtains? Oh, there's a movie. There is. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, but 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 you know, it's Curtains. I mean, I actually I think it's called Curtains. When is it? When again, is it it's on me. Oh. I did this, but my whole thing was I, I imagine like a guy getting pulled up a stage with the cane, you know, around his neck. And it's like, coins, you know, that kind of thing. So like coins, you know, I don't know. Well, the like, new Lowe's is a very sort of like so. negative, depressing towards the end, kind of awful thing. But I wanted to keep something in that vein. Shyster's yeah. very negative, <laughs> criminal, like, yeah, red, uh, <laughs> but like a pop criminal, you know, like you know, uh, wear a nice suit. It's kind of the new Lowe's, like how terrible can it be? Mm, yeah. But all these sort of close to the end kind of give you the reason. That's like why we play, you know, because yeah. we have to like fend off our death fears and stuff like that. I have no idea what he's talking about. But see, basically, there's a lot of girls with hats out there. And that's why I do it. Um, but no, it's true. Like curtains actually is kind of like we're getting older. You know what I'm saying? And by the time we're in that 55 plus trailer park, mm -hmm. We've got to have a whole litany of songs to play for the people who remember us from the Curtains era. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, it's, And in terms of film, in terms of connection, I don't know the movie yeah. Curtains, but I'd like to see it. When is it from? Is it a horror movie? It is a horror movie from the early 80s. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, wait, you're I talking about H-O-R. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch's uh, Lost Highway. Yeah. He does these really slow, dark pans against mm -hmm. curtains a lot yeah. in like closets. And so he's like sort of like weird, like fabrics that just just looking at them gives you the deep creeps and you know that there's something back there but you don't know what it is and hopefully so i have been inspired yeah, hopefully it's Patricia Hart, huh? <laughs> i think but, in every david lynch production there's curtains somewhere in it right like there's a lot of curtains yeah. in lynch <laughs> and that's kind of part of something i picked up on now you were going to call us the drapes though well i let there was already a drapes <laughs> yeah. yeah i like the expression the curtains for the drapes yeah and then we were thinking about the grapes and then we'd play with the cranberries you get a whole produce section together. I think we'd have a good. Best have you heard of the Red Hot no. Chili Peppers? <laughs> there's still there's still time if you decided to do that, right? Yeah. Let's <laughs> change the name of the band to Cool Beans. <laughs> Did you say time? <laughs> Festival, but you know, I mean, we could think of a side bet. Uh, I think Cool Beans. Small small right? <laughs> like Rosemary. Yeah, cool that's beans. Jim's new goth band. When you guys aren't making music, what else are you doing? How do you, what's your days like? Oh, boy. I play basketball. I actually play basketball with Clarity. I played with him today. Mm. Mickey's, I think, is edibles and coding. <laughs> John, John's usually. I drones. Yeah. Hang out with my dog. Uh, my wives and drones. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe some edibles and that, too. Loving on dogs, for sure. Um, <laughs> the I cleaned a skunk's cage. It had an infestation of roaches earlier this week, but you're always doing that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I could start my own friend yeah. videos channel at this point. Mike Rowe would be like, dude, I'm not even hanging out with that guy. Like, uh, yeah, I do maintenance at the science center, which just imagine experiments going wrong in different storage areas, you know, and essentially it's kind of like Dr. Moreau back there. 
And I'm dressed in purple like an Oompa Loompa running around, like, you know, with all these big pipes and things I don't necessarily understand, trying to keep the place from exploding. Yeah, basically. I didn't know, I didn't know Oompa Loompas were dressed in purple. Were they in purple? Was it purple? I thought they were I, purple. No, I thought they were like, they were like orange. Oh, oh that was Veruca. He you out. Wow. He's like, no, Oompa Loompas weren't in purple. Well, I do look kind of like Veruca in the beginning stages. So. Okay. I'll say Violet is the one that turns into the blueberry. If that's... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was born in... Never mind. <laughs> but, but you're right. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. It's all the edibles. <laughs> You ever have you ever have anybody come up to you just when you're you know, in, in a normal day that just recognizes you from playing a show or saw you somewhere and talks to you about music? Has that ever happened? Well, speaking of that, I had somebody who recognized me at work who was a mother who I knew her husband. And my boss said, what's with you knowing all the mothers around here? And I was just like, I don't want to get this kind of reputation, man. I'm like, just let me clean the roaches out of the skunk cage. <laughs> no. Please. Okay, I'll, I'll let Mike go now. <laughs> Not really. That's bullshit. Listen, this guy, he walks around town and people yeah. start like, I mean, there's like John fanboys everywhere. People, like, when people hear Shy, they're like, you playing with Shyster? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, there's more of a name recognition for that. And no, you. Never, yeah, there's yeah. name recognition for Shyster if you want to come up to me. Every once in a while, like I saw a band play at Will's and they were freaking awesome. They're from Gainesville. I can't remember what they were called, but they were kind of like a Irish rock kind of thing. Uh, and then I was just went up to them after the show and I was just like, you guys are awesome. Thank you. know, whatever great show. And the guy was like, do you used to play in a band around here? Mike Collins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Old I know buddy. Yeah. He was a guitar player. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I did. And he's like, oh yeah. Awesome. Hey, so yeah, it happens sometimes, but usually more like at venues and things. Somebody, uh, not when I'm getting my boba tea. There was a band. Or you run into like, an old, you know, uh, another guy from another band or gal from another band yeah. uh, from shows you've played. Like you see people, you're like, oh yeah, what's up? But, um, I was going to say, uh, somebody, recognized Mike and I from the new lows, but didn't know that we were in curtains until we talked to him after playing a show with him. It was one of another, another band that did fast, I think with us back in uh, 2013. Limited exposure, but there are weird moments that creep yeah. out of the, from time to time. It's kind of fun. I'm hoping to get like a, a good website response. From e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Mickey's been taking care of all the digital. <laughs> we have a link for emails on our yes. website. Yeah, we but we're just waiting to really get one. <laughs> I mean, as long as people have heard of email, they should be able to navigate. Send your email, email to. You got to go through this porthole. Basically, um, we'll send you a link. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. to totally secure. Right now. Nothing to worry about. No. Yes, portholes is our other psychedelic band. <laughs> I know that leading up to this episode, there were a lot of people who really were looking for a shyster episode to learn more about the story and the history of the band. Uh, So is there anything else out there that's going on besides the one-off show for shyster that you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to do an OG reunion, you know, but Jeff's in California, Brian's in New York. um, And these are the guys that we did our first tours with wrote did say uncle with did february with um and it's shyster in yeah. some ways you know from the first first years and uh so i definitely am constantly trying to get them to come down uh it's harder for jeff to get away from his work and make that long trek out to florida from california 
um, mm-hmm. to do that. But, you know, we're always talking about it and we're hoping to make it happen. But I also have a few Shyster songs that I remember that never got recorded. And I have this little studio now. So I'm trying to get some guitar tracks down that I send then to Jeff um, as sort of an OG recording just to, for, you know. He's using this new technology called email. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> the songs, you know, they just never got recorded because of like certain conditions of time and stuff. Yeah. So get them down. And Shyster of, you know, my bands gets a little more, you know, internet hits. And because Jeff and Brian were not able to partake in this, you know, talk just for a moment about their contributions and and how important they were in the story of Shyster. Brian was a good friend of mine in high school. Yeah. And he used to drive me to Tampa to go to alternative records and thoroughbred music, like yeah. the record the mu- record store and the um, music equipment store. And we used to always go on these jaunts there. He also drove me to spring break, Daytona Beach to see shows. And uh, we hung out in high school. He actually, his grandmother lived across the street from my parents. So before I ever knew him, we would be mowing the lawns across the street from each other, <laughs> glaring at each other. Yeah. Because right. he was like a Sharpie kind of skinhead. And I was like a long haired, like a Slayer metalhead. And we would like glare at each other from across this suburban like avenue uh, before we ever became friends. That's that's part of the idea for the video game. Yeah. Both take the lawnmowers at each other and the blades clash. And, there was a vibe. There was a vibe. Kind of like then, Mortal Kombat, but Snapper and, you know, John Deere. And Brian was a great guitar player. He's fucking fast as shit. And uh, mm-hmm. Jeff was an amazing drummer, fast as shit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, they worked very hard along with Craig to book us shows. Um, I was in, at college for a lot of the time of Shyster, the first years. And so while I was gone, they would just spend their time freaking hounding promoters. Mm. So they were both amazing, like the music collaborators. And also they created Shyster by putting us on shows and hounding to get us on a work tour. The reason we played the work tour was because Brian and Jeff, uh, the guy Kevin. Oh, not Rots, is it? No, the guy from the work tour, Kevin something. Uh they had his phone number or his email, something, Kevin, and they would send him messages constantly until he would finally relent and say, okay, you can tour with this band. And we got what year, what year did you play Warped Tour? 96. Yeah. No, no, wait. First one. First one. Quick sense. Wasn't that the, wasn't that the first one? 96. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, first one. You're right. Sorry, I thought it was nice. That was before. awesome. And we played Orlando, we played Fort Lauderdale, we played Tampa, and Tampa was definitely the biggest show we've ever played oh, because yeah. Warped Tour is usually divided between in, inside and outside, but this one was all inside this giant indoor warehouse skate park. Yeah, two stages set up like a uh, caddy corner, kind of, not caddy corner, but like uh, adjacent to each other. Yeah, like that. And so after one band finished, the other band started and back and forth right there. So we ended up, there was, we were the Orlando support, Florida support, but we were also not the local opener. So right. they were on our stage first and then the first band on the other stage. And so we played third, which was kind of dope as hell. Oh, yeah. And there was like thousands of people there and um, it was ballistic. So are there any moments that really stand out to you with some of your favorites or just funny moments uh, getting a chance to, to play and go on for? Well, Shyster touring was amazing because we were young and we didn't give yeah. a fuck about whatever. <laughs> so we could sleep anywhere and go through anything and just have eyes wide open and endless energy. That Shyster touring had a big ass blue van 
that we made it around the country several times and fixed it a million times too. We spent so much money trying to keep that thing going, but it was like a little home for us. We got we got lucky. It still kind of had the uh, church graphic showing through the paint. So (laughs) I just thought we were good Christians, you know, like rolling around. Had some retro text on the side. (laughs) But we also wanted to kill each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we did once one trip through, I think, Pennsylvania, where we decided to each tell each other exactly what we thought of each other. <laughs> that was actually the Rocky Mountains. So we're going in between elevations from snow to like rain. It's like we couldn't deal with it anymore. We're yeah. like, okay, we need to have a good therapy. Yeah. We made up a thing where everyone got to say what they thought about each other person without any talk back. Brian pretty much told me back to go out and sit back in my seat. And- but it was the best thing that ever happened to us because after yeah. that, we actually made it through the rest of the tour with no problems at all. We all just like that was it. We can make that it. was a release of all that tension yeah. and show. Yeah. So I mean, we slept in crazy squats. We slept in houses that weren't even built yet. <laughs> and, we actually we played with a band called Swelter in Tacoma <laughs> that was like yeah. five people that looked all completely different and yeah. read it like you'd never believe. Like you had the metal and rapper and like bass player was like completely different people. I think he was like from Afghan wigs or something. He was like, <laughs> and, and you know, playing a Rickenbacker. You know, drummer had like about fifteen toms. And Nikki got arrested so, outside of uh, Louisiana. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was a good time. On a nice. Yeah. What, what'd you do, Nikki? Nikki didn't have a light on his driver's license. I mean, no, on no. his uh, license plate. Oh, and so that's where they pulled us over. No, that was the blue van. Yeah. yeah, the blue van didn't have a light on it. So they arrested you for that. Well, they started, They wanted to search me, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, pull out a little thing of weed. It's like, you know, an eraser's worth. He's like, why didn't you tell me you had weed? I'm like, why would I tell you I had weed? <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> right. and so he searched. They made it search the whole rest of the car. They found like Mike had a. I think he had a joint. It's a total classism, uh, yeah. racism because they didn't arrest me. They arrest me. They didn't even take my mugshot or fingerprints. I think they just took no, your they bail took money, money and then we they left. Took, they took banned bail money and then we drove. But then, yeah, so that yeah. was kind of fun. But good things also happen. Yeah. <laughs> like there was the yeah, uh, amazing shows. We had a, one show in Baltimore where um, apparently we, we weren't allowed to go anywhere with like outside of a block. block within this squat. We got in to play the show and realized that the balcony was actually a giant hole, hole in, in the, the floor upstairs. <laughs> but uh, you can see about 30 people through it. And um, then we went home with. The, the girls that own this like thrift store that they were living in, you know, which is one of the uh, sh- sort of shotgun apartment, like four story uh, apartments. I just remember passing out in a pile of stuffed animals. It was about six feet high <laughs> because I had to leave the third floor where the girls were singing like, uh, I think, Foreigner or something to like Mike and Jeff, like. And all you could hear is these drunk girls going, all right, now how and how bad. You know? so I was like, yeah, they're trying to go to sleep. Trying to go to sleep. I was like, I got to get upstairs. Remember after Gainesville, Henry was driving and he drove us to Georgia. Oh, and we yeah. ran out of gas. <laughs> you know what's bad when you're in Gainesville trying to get to Orlando? And I was sitting shotgun. And Henry's like, Mike, Mike, welcome to Georgia. <laughs> and then about... Four hours later, we're back on the turnpike, and Henry wakes me up again. He's like, Mike, Mike, we're out of gas. <laughs> Pulled over the side of the road, out of the, oh, the same freaking trip. <laughs> and how good things happened as well. We played uh, a bowling alley in um, Oklahoma City. Remember that? We played Fireside Bowl as well. Oh, we played oh, Fireside Bowl. played Fireside Bowl. Yeah, that, that's one of the more uh, infamous places that a lot of bands have played in Chicago. What was that like? 
It was awesome. We played yeah. with LES Stitches there. Yeah. We always played with, uh, you know, it would be like two shows of five bands. Yeah. And uh, I remember totally passing out on stage there because I ran out of oxygen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Literally fell over. There, like There was that moment <laughs> where Mike was out. <laughs> too many lyrics in some of those shows. <laughs> 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 oh, seriously. <laughs> I think, out of fireside, I think if both of us could go back wow. to ourselves back then, we'd be like, what the hell are you trying to prove, man? Slow down. So, yeah. you know. Well, Jeff was the motor. And yeah, that's what happened. Speedboat back there. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Jeff, and I Jeff, was always, always arguing with him. Like, <laughs> slow down. Man. Slow down a little bit. I don't know. Like, why? Why, man? Why? If you take a really good listen to sample, every song starts at the right tempo and ends up going Jeff. So. Yeah. <laughs> With having played all these different places and all your experiences kind of combined, what do you remember the worst pit you ever saw? Dallas. Yeah. Dallas at a place called Trees Trees Lounge. Lounge. We had Guttermouth. Face to face. We were opening for Guttermouth, face to face. And uh, Limp. No, no, it wasn't Limp. It was uh, the Grabbers. Oh, the Grabbers. I think it was the Grabbers, right? Yes, Limp was with No Use for Me. Yeah, that's right. And basically, I think Mike and I decided to stand on stage uh, and you basically have like, it's like a warehouse. So you've got I-beams with the stage built kind of around them. Uh, and at some point, like, I think the gutter mouth started playing asshole and basically like bought full beer bottles, started bombarding the stage. Mike and I had to hide behind the I-beams <laughs> and you could just see the glass shattering. It was like, if you could film it in slow-mo, it would have been basically like, stopped know. the show for like yeah. half an hour. So right. people would calm down. It was a skinhead brawl. It was yeah. a skinhead brawl. And that was Orlando was skinhead brawl in the late 80s, early, early, early 90s, 90s, around 90. Yeah. And it dissipated, thank yeah. God. But Dallas seemed to, like, they all left and went to Dallas. Yeah. When we were there in 95 and 96, it was probably 96, so they were playing face to face. It was a skinhead melee, and it was freaking kind of scary, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, man. That was a. Uh... That was one of those moments where you're like, well, if, if we don't die, hopefully the hospital bill will be low. We but were off. We, we got were... lucky, man. The I-beam saved yeah. <laughs> We did our thing before it got too out of control. But yeah. It was yeah. fun. Did you guys have ever had any injuries playing any shows? I chipped my tooth at the Fabric Center mm-hmm. in New Orleans on a microphone, and I still have that little space right here on my tooth. And I remember like feeling my teeth in my mouth. Jeez. <laughs> John actually recently almost lost his teeth at our curtain show in Ocala. That's oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pit in out like too. years, but in yeah, Ocala. I was it with the quickness, for fortunately. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I get a yeah. lot of hand blood. But yeah, what, ha- what happened, John? How did that happen? Oh, just uh, kids My- enjoying themselves, yeah. uh, and you know, it was a show on the ground in front of said kid so i think he tripped over the mic stand or maybe my pedal or something mm. and uh came crashing into me yeah it was um it was kind of like fun yeah it was like a yeah, quick it's second. a mixed blessing because yeah. you're glad that it's for yeah getting like you, you kind of want to see him get rowdy but the other thing i think is younger generation isn't used to the the rowdiness we used to do and doesn't understand like the you know there's there's kind of rules to it I don't know, man. You haven't seen some of the pits I've seen lately. Those things are like they're doing some crazy stuff. I'm also in a in a metal band, and they're like I see the pits and those things, and those people are like getting like crowd killing and stuff. What's the what's the metal band you're in, Mike? Mickey Arcusi with a G at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's a grindcore band. They're actually amazingly badass, to be honest. So 
I think the roughest pit I was in was actually John Spencer Blues Explosion hmm. uh, downtown Orlando. I remember, uh, well, I, I almost got in a fight with a guy who had nearly elbowed a friend of mine in her face. And so it was kind of, yeah, there was definitely, this is one of those, you know, sort of uh, pre-Riot um, Girls kind of things, which I totally understood that movement when it happened uh, as a result of that. But yeah, there was, there was de- definitely some rough pits. Uh, even like you know, you had like the Lola Palooza guys with like the long surfer hair and combat boots. And, That's the guy who knocked me out. Yeah, they tried to get crazy, but they like took it too far. And, you know. Yeah, long hair, about, combat so. boots got me in the head at yeah. Mighty Mighty Boss Stones at Janus Landing. That's a guy. Knocked me out. out there. Knocked me out. That's a guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I always like to get up front and on the end of the pit a little bit, the edge of the pit, pushed yeah. up in front, just because. Yeah. All the energy is flowing, you know, it's just so strong and palpable. And when you let yourself go into a pit scenario, you usually don't get hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was one of your favorite beers to drink when you were playing? Um, like the one with bubbles. <laughs> got you drunk. Yeah. Whatever the, whatever we, <laughs> that was the best, bar, usually. Yeah. yeah. Whatever they were giving. Right. Remember when we played in Houston, they'd always give us drink tickets for Shiner Bach. Oh, yeah. Shiner and I just thought that was kind of neat. I just remember that for some reason. I'm like, oh, this isn't... Uh, Bud Light or uh, yeah, it was, it was something kind of that wasn't PBR. Yeah, it's nice when you play Manifest. They're always sponsored by Cigar City. Yeah, and they have, like, yeah. Beers. yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever play with any straight edge bands? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what was Cato's uh, band? Greening. Yeah, well, Greening. Like back in the day, Greening definitely was uh, straight edge. Um, God, and I, I Shadow think, was. I think Laughing Boy might have either played with Four Eleven or. Yeah, Earth Crisis, but I either I went to see the show or I just all hazy over in Melbourne. Laughing yeah. Boy was kind of straight edge anyway. Yeah, well, Jim was. Jim we, was. Dave and I, definitely were not. That's why I don't remember all of that. Jim, Jim had to be. Yeah, like he was <laughs> the one driving. Are, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys have upcoming next for Curtains? When's the next uh, recording album coming out? We're almost finished with this record. Um, you know, we're playing all these shows right now. I play with the Hamiltons too. We got like four shows in October, one in September. We're doing this big show. We're practicing our asses off for at the end of September on the 29th at Will's, part of the history thing. And then uh, Manifest is in October and we're playing a show upcoming in Orlando before that. And uh, so around the end of October, do we have any other curtain shows? No, I don't think so. End of October. So we're asking you, do we up. have any other curtains? <laughs> <laughs> Let us have pulled up. The end of October, <laughs> Curtains is doing things. And then other than that, um, we're working on the record. Mm-hmm. We've got it pretty much recorded. We have a few things to re-record and then mix. And then it'll be 10 songs done here in the house. So it's pretty fun. Basically, trying to find a, like a, a kind of collaboration with some of the mixing stuff he has and do our own stuff. Uh, as well as definitely tracking all of our own stuff in-house in studio. Uh, the working title, Zeus Apollo, um, <laughs> which is some ridiculous, like, you know, thing that we came up with. Um, we'll, we'll have a spokesperson for that. It's probably just going to be me with a backwards hat. And like, <laughs> Tin foil. Yeah, exactly. Zeus recordings have been very straightforward, hard punk rock for the most part. And yeah. this one's had a little of that and a little of other stuff, which may be reminiscent more of, kind good of new lows mix. mix. It's a mix of different tempos and styles and speeds. So it's not like that full on curtains raw, yeah. which is what created curtains, but mm. wasn't something I was interested in just pretend, you know, you guys, you guys have any favorite covers to play as curtains? 
Anything by Husker Du. We did a Husker Du set, and that was kind of like way too much work for the day. But um, that sounds fun, though. It was it, it was yeah, fun. It was, it was fun. starting that shit, but um, you start to realize you couldn't be in Husker Du, though. <laughs> I don't think we do any other covers. We do a, a Healthy Body, Sick Mind. <laughs> Operation <laughs> Ivy. Yeah, that's something we like to bust out of practice. We do bass fishing, we do a little thunder reaction, but those are easily covering our old, uh, you know. I'm still trying to get to do uh, ourselves. Do uh, some gorilla biscuits, um, forgotten. But now that they're playing fast, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe we'll just go see the real thing. What have so, we covered? We covered shit? maybe some descendants. I don't know. We never I don't now. think we've ever covered anything. No, I think really. we played a little bit of Crow Mags, but um, no, that was before I'd actually listened to the song. So I'm sure it sounded like, you know, what's that guy doing? You know, I thought we were doing like Grateful Dead or something, like another Garcia. Did, uh, like, covered something. Nulos did uh, we used to do Buzzcocks a lot. Yeah, Buzzcocks. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. The Nulos did a lot of Buzzcocks covers, a couple of Buzzcocks covers because mm-hmm. I just got so into that. It's been great getting a chance to have you all on and tell the story of not just Shyster, but also we talked about Curtains, Laughing Boy, the new Lowe's, uh, and a lot of other things in between. So uh, I'd like to kind of give it, each of you an opportunity to kind of close out any final uh, comments you wanted to make, last words, so to speak. So uh, we can go left to right. Mickey, if you want to start us off and go to the end to, to John. So now that I'll probably be playing with these guys for a while because it doesn't seem like we're ever going to stop. Uh, so I get, yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, that's all I got. Well, for me, it's, um, I just feel really lucky that I've been able to, uh, you know, somehow coerce and convince people to always come and, and play with me and flesh out my songs. You know, it's blessing because I love making songs up. And then when other people collaborate in them and they become this much greater thing, and it's an awesome collaboration as any band would be of songs coming together, sounds coming together, but also just like my my friends, you know, my boys, my hangout, my scenario. It's huge for me personally. Um, so I feel just so freaking lucky for all the ups and downs and shitty shows and great shows and you know, anybody hears us, oh, someone discovered, a, you know, like little moments of what a band is. It's always about this right here with us and creating the act of creation. Yeah. And then you do, oh, wait, that's that's fucking cool. Let's share it with somebody just to get out there and not just make it our practice space. But the practice space is what I love the most because this mm-hmm. is freaking so fun. And we sound amazing in here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um The other thing I just want to point out is that I've played with some amazing and beautiful people over the years and some people didn't all uh, survive like, like we have like Ralph Amaduri and Matt Gersting, our bandmates that, you know, passed away that did not, yeah, that passed away. And so I always carried them with me too. And all the stuff I do. Well, I mean, I just can't afford a therapist. (laughs) Uh, So, even though the problem is here, I still keep coming back to it. So it really does satisfy the masochism in me. And then on top of that, like, I really feel like I got to have a reason to go out into the world and, and, you know, basically give something to people. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to just take out of this dimension and not give back to it. And I've met people who have told me, 
how even, you know, just shyster or whatever, these things that we've done before have changed their life. So if there's one person out there that feels that way, then I got to keep doing it. You know, that's, that's basically the uh, foundation where I'm at with it. Plus I need friends to look cool on Instagram and stuff like that. So, so I, I put them in the pictures, you know, I think they're cuter than me. I don't know. We're kind of like a boy band for like women who are divorced and in their late forties. So. Bad eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, I can't hear it too well. <laughs> the curtains calendar will be coming out after. Right? Uh, um, I'll give it to John. Yeah. No. Um. 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 Part of everything uh, these guys have said, I'm grateful. Uh, to have such good friends, to be able to have a, a creative space where we can hash out ideas. Um, obviously, we, we've all come together because we all we've done this our whole lives, and and it just it it doesn't want to stop. Like there's something in us, and it's nice to to have like minds. Um, we're like family, and uh, we can be goofy, or we can be you know smart and figure things out and it's really cool to have to have all of that it's therapy it's group therapy um and when we don't practice for a week or we get off we have a rhythm and then we get off the rhythm i spin a little bit and i think um I'm like oh well oh i don't have this to do today you know like uh kind of kind of keeps me centered and it's the goal and uh the the creative spark so uh i think just being grateful for all of this and for you for asking about it 